Good morning. And I want to say, welcome home, Betty. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Welcome home. When I say home, what do you think of? Is it the place you live here now in Mexico? Or the house you left back in Canada or the U.S.? Do you hearken back to some home of your childhood? My childhood home, the place I lived longest, I lived for 18 years, I was born and raised there, um, is in Wisconsin. And it wasn't all that special. It was one of many identical homes in our subdivision, or nearly identical. It, um, it had lots of books, it had a play piano, that's what distinguished it from my friends' homes. But other than that, you wouldn't find it special in any way. But of course, it's special to me. And as Dorothy says, there's no place like home. Home is a place, and home is a feeling. Home is emotional support, as well as shelter from the elements. Right? That's what home means to us. I think all of us long to feel at home. We make our own little nest. We enjoy it. But does it ever truly feel like the safe place we expect a home to be? Or do we think somewhere in the back of our minds, someplace else might be a little better? We moved to Mexico because it might be a little better in terms of weather. I grew up in Wisconsin, remember? <laughs> we moved to Mexico and then we say, boy, this neighborhood is loud. Maybe we should find a different place. Or, oh, this house has so many stairs and it's getting hard for me and hard for my spouse. Maybe we should move. We picture something just a little different and finally have to realize that there's no perfect place where we will always feel at home in this world. Yet this world is our home. Creation is our home. Um, I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 31. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. It was very good, and we can still see how very good creation is. We're at home in creation. We're in, at home in nature, right? We love going out, walks in the woods, that sort of thing. Scientists devote their lives to studying creation, and they do it with boundless curiosity. Artists appreciate its beauty and try to capture it. Who's so jaded that they won't stop for a moment to enjoy a spectacular sunset or an unusual flower? But even that famous nature lover, Mr. Eddie Bauer, okay, he's not that famous, he knows that the world can be a hostile place. You get too far out in the wilderness and you're going to need a parka. Why is that? Well, it's because the man and the woman in the garden figured they had a better idea. Hey, I know, let's become like God, knowing good from evil. So, Adam and Eve, how's that working out for you? <laughs> they were banished from the garden to work the ground. So this world was made to be our home, but it really isn't anymore. 
We're not truly safe and secure in this world. And no one should understand this better than Christian believers. In John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So the world is a hostile place physically. We need shelter. But it's also a hostile place spiritually and emotionally. The world hates us if we are Christian believers in many ways, unless we are a little too conform to the world. In John 18, Jesus says to Pilate when, when he's on trial, Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Because that's what he was accused of, saying he was the king of the Jews. Jesus said to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now, my kingdom is from another place. Jesus' kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. Paul says in Philippians, and we've got this verse on our slides, in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So the story so far is one of those good news, bad news, good news ideas. We live in a beautiful, amazing world that hates us. But the really good news is that we are redeemed and we are going to our real home soon. Let's look at this Philippians verse a little more closely. Our citizenship is in heaven, God's kingdom. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God all over the place in the Gospels. God is our ruler. This is not a democracy. We're not citizens of the republic of heaven. No, we're in the kingdom of heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back for us. This is what we are eagerly awaiting. It's what we expect. And we're not complacently living along without expecting anything to change. We know everything will change. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is coming for us who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform us. Jesus has the power to bring everything under his control. And I'm so grateful Jesus has that power, and I do not. Oh, we all of us want control, don't we? And some of us are even self-described control freaks. But it's far better that God is in control. God is the king. We are citizens of a kingdom. Paul goes on to say that when Jesus returns, he'll transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And I, for one, am ready to trade mine in right now. That's part and parcel of the new heaven and the new earth. We get new bodies, spiritual bodies. This world is not our real home. Heaven is. That's exciting. But what does it mean for our everyday lives? Do we become, as the cliche goes, so heavenly minded we're no earthly good? Well, here's, here are a few ideas for how we live in a world that is not our home. First, and this might seem like one of those bad news things, we live as aliens and refugees. Hmm. 
Well, most of us in this room are foreigners living in Mexico. Most of us. We are aliens here. We know that there are built-in difficulties living in a place where you weren't born. The laws are different here for us. Compared to Mexican citizens, we have to register as permanent or temporary residents. If we don't live according to Mexican standards, we can be punished. If Mexicans don't live according to our standards, that's their law. That's fine. That's not our rule. In the Old Testament, we learn that the Israelites were defeated by Babylonians and exiled to Babylon. Jeremiah was their prophet who gave them these instructions from God. Now, this is a relatively long passage that I'm going to read. The Lord, but it's beautiful. (laughs) The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number there so that you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because your future depends on its welfare. And a little further down, Jeremiah goes on, the Lord proclaims when Babylon's 70 years are up, that is, when the Israelites' exile is done, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place, their home. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. When you call me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, yes, search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be present for you, declares the Lord, and I will end your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have scattered you, and I will bring you home after your long exile, declares the Lord. And that's for us as well. The Israelites were to settle in and raise their children, plant gardens and build houses, knowing that their true home was elsewhere. Sooner or later, they were going to all go back to Israel. They were also to pray for the place that they had been sent to. We need to build our lives in this world, even though it is not our true home. We are to pray for what goes on around us, because our future depends on the welfare of the country, the city, the neighborhood where we live. We need to remember God and to search for him with all our heart, and he will fulfill our heart's desire to go home. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster to give you a future filled with hope. The second way we live in a place that's not our home is to live as ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors. We are diplomats. These aren't necessarily people who settle in plant gardens. Maybe they do. But they, we know for sure that they treat the people they live among with respect, They try to build relationships of peace and understanding. And if someone wants to defect to their country, they help them and they protect them. 
So even if the people we deal with are not Christian believers, do we always remember to treat them respectfully? Do we gently promote the heavenly kingdom of Jesus Christ among them? Do we represent Jesus as well as we possibly can? What we do and what we say reflects on Jesus, and that is an enormous responsibility. If we um, use underhanded methods or are improper in achieving our goals, if we gossip or if we slander others to make ourselves feel good, if we don't choose love over not even hate but disregard, we are not succeeding as ambassadors. The third way we live in a world that is not our home is by living in hope. We are not at home in this world, but we know that we have a home in heaven, and it's a perfect home. In John chapter 14, when Jesus is getting ready to die, and he's telling the disciples how difficult this is going to be for him and how there is a betrayer among them, and Peter is going to deny him, and all of them are going to run away, Yet he says in John 14, 1 through 3, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. If we believe in Jesus... We believe he is preparing a place for us, and he will return to take us with him to our new home, a permanent home with plenty of room. Imagine a place where your best friend, your brother, your father, all that wrapped into one, which is God, has gone to prepare for you especially, not a temporary hotel room, but your own permanent home, and this person knows you better than you know yourself. How great that will be. I believe Jesus doesn't describe heaven in any detail because that would spoil the glorious surprise. And don't be led astray if you remember the King James Version where it talks about my father's house has many mansions. In King James era, mansions meant something a little different. <laughs> we are, it's not a materialistic, oh, we're going to sit back on the sofa and, have, and read our French novels and eat bonbons. That's not what this is about. This is about the presence of God. presence of God is heaven. Our home is our inheritance, and it's a home full of blessings, better than any we could make for ourselves here. This is a home where we will be far more secure and safe than even the one where we were brought up, because our Heavenly Father is more dependable and more loving than even the best human parent. Jesus is coming back, and he will take us with him. Do not let your hearts be troubled. So, how do we live in a world that is not our home? We live as aliens and exiles, yes, but ones who plant gardens and build houses. We live as ambassadors and representatives of our home country, which is God's kingdom. And best of all, we live in hope of Christ's return and our new home in heaven. Amen.